Hey guys, Abel here. And just before I start out with this episode, I'd like to ask you that if you get pissed off just from reading the title of this episode or just by hearing the intro where I'll be telling you what I did, or if you're a heavily science-based health and fitness enthusiast to have firm opinions on some of the things that this episode will be on, please give it at least 10 to 15 minutes before you decide to say that this is bullshit. And if you're inclined to comment that this is all bullshit, please only do so after listening to what I had to say. Because you'll find that I'm not trying to claim any magic. I'm not trying to say that I found the panacea for ascending to the next level of health and body composition improvement. You'll simply hear a story of how I did something to address a very specific problem. Hi guys, so this is SSD, Sustainable Self-Development, a podcast for people who want to get ahead in fitness and in life without driving themselves crazy. So if you want to look up a year from now and think, damn, I came a long way, but you don't want to burn out in the process as you get there, you came to the right place. We'll get into today's episode in just a second, but just want to let you know that we have an awesome community on Facebook in the form of a group which you can join, where we discuss and debate things, drop ideas debate over which person to interview for the next podcast and all that good stuff so go to facebook type in sustainable self-development or you can just check the show notes here and click the link there and you'll find the sustainable self-development facebook group and you can join also not sure where you're listening to this right now but this podcast is available on a variety of platforms itunes soundcloud podbeam and youtube you can find it on all of these platforms if you just type in sustainable self-development because luckily nobody is weird enough to name themselves in such a way except me so look me up on these places and follow the show by subscribing so that you don't miss future episodes and with that let's get into the show all right guys abel here and in this episode i'd like to talk about something that i never thought i'd talk about and that is a new dietary experiment that i have now been doing for two weeks and I have at least as much time to go till completion. And that is a zero carb carnivore diet experiment where essentially I'm eating nothing but animal foods. So mainly meat, fish, eggs, and some lower carb dairy variants such as cheese. And before I get into why I'm doing this, I'd like to say something quickly. Um, you know, I always wanted to stay away from anything that would have made me seem like I'm doing something radical or crazy just in an attempt to get more attention. You know, the prospect of people looking at my content and think, oh my God, look at this guy. He's so desperate for more views that now he started doing this ridiculous shit just to get more attention was always something that I wanted to avoid at all costs. So honestly, Initially, I kind of wanted to keep this as a secret and not talk about it at all, but I posted in the sustainable self-development private group, which by the way, join the group. It's a cool little community. So I posted there that I'm doing this now and uh, I posted a picture as well. I'm going to tell you in a second what the picture contained and that sparked quite a bit more interest than I had anticipated. So here we go. I'm doing this episode and 
I should add, what I'm going to do is probably record two or three episodes like this and make it a little documentation of my journey. So I'm going to record this one now, which is probably going to be the longest one on the reasons behind me doing this and the experiences that I had now after just over two weeks. And then I'll record another one maybe two weeks from now. And then maybe another one at the end of this where I'll conclude and summarize everything that I have learned about the topic. So... With that, let's get into what sparked me in the first place to do this experiment. Well, you know Birger Fagerli, who is one of the top evidence-based authorities in the field. I looked up to him tremendously for a long time. I've been a client of his on and off during this past couple of years. He started posting, I think, around the summer of 2017 about a certain zero-carb carnivore diet experiment that he was doing. And... You know, when I first saw that, my first reaction were, for one, wow, he's doing a zero-carb experiment. You know, I always thought he was more so a carb-based diet kind of guy. But at the very least, he always seemed like one of those guys who preferred not to go to any kind of extreme. Secondly, the other first reaction I had was, oh, even you, Brutus, you know, like... Is he the next one to start these crazy sensationalistic stuff too? Like, why, Berge? Why? Now, of course, uh, knowing him, I didn't actually think that he was just doing something crazy to get attention. So I kept an eye on his posts. And one time, upon looking through the comment section under one of his posts, there I saw him writing about how it just did wonders for his bloating and gut issues, which he was struggling with for years. And this definitely did spark my interest. You know, anything that I could have read about the benefits related to energy levels and stable mood and laser focus on a high-fat, high-protein diet would have passed me right by because I had experienced firsthand before how much better I felt on a carb-based diet compared to a very low-carb ketogenic type of diet. You know, in the beginning of my fitness journey from the time period of 2013 maybe to 2015, I was almost exclusively on very low-carb diets where I don't think my carb intake was higher than 50 grams a day through most of the period. And while I was preaching how amazingly I felt during that time and I drove everyone around me crazy with me telling them why they were stupid for eating carbs, it really was the classic case study of you not knowing how shitty you feel because you just haven't experienced anything else for a long time. And looking back, I felt like absolute crap throughout that period. And when I eventually switched to a higher carb diet with a lot of fruits and things like that, like, my God, I felt infinitely better. So by the time I had read Berge's post on the carnivore diet experiment, my mindset was like, cool, these low-carb type diets surely work amazingly for some people, but I'm sure as hell not one of them. But when I saw these comments about the elimination of bloating and how he had struggled for years with bloating, and especially with fruit and veggies and those sorts of things, that did make me pause. Because... Bloating has been something that I was struggling with kind of on and off for pretty much forever. And quite ironically, it started to become actually noticeable when I first got into this health and fitness space. So about six years ago, when I really started to structure my eating, quote unquote, scientifically, that's when I started to notice that certain foods that in theory should have been staples in fitness type diets like broccoli and cauliflower were pretty much off the table for me because a large plate of them 
would just make me look like a pregnant woman, which was very problematic because, like I said, the first good part of my fitness journey was spent trying to make these very low-carb diets work for myself. And one of the core strategies that people use on those diets is consuming a lot of these green veggies like broccoli and cauliflower for satiety. And, you know, the more I was trying to insist on these foods, the bigger my problems got, really, until eventually I realized that these foods are really off the table for me. And really ever since then, bloating has been an ongoing problem, but it has become something that I learned to manage. So over time, I learned which foods I could tolerate and which foods I couldn't. So for a long time, I knew, for example, that cucumbers and tomatoes were well-tolerated. Berries were pretty much well-tolerated unless I put down like several kilos of them in one sitting. Peaches and melons were not so well-tolerated. Apples and pears were tolerated fine, but there was almost like this hard limit that I just couldn't exceed with them, which... I don't know why, but somehow almost always came down to exactly four apples or pears a day. I'm serious. Up to four apples or pears, I could always tolerate them well. And then more than that, just started doing funky stuff with my stomach. So who understands why? Nobody. I also mentioned in my intuitive eating series, or sorry, from now on it's called autoregulatory eating series, how eating mindfully and not being distracted from my food was a huge help with gut issues and that I could eat my meals to satiety without getting bloated. So I came to a point where I had control over this stuff. And approximately a year ago, I was in a pretty good spot with this bloating issue. I basically learned the boundaries of my gut and I was fine for the most part. But then <laughs> one day, I believe this must have been around November maybe, Something happened when um, I baked up a whole bunch of pumpkins <laughs> in my oven, and so I ate a lot of them. And honestly, I don't know what happened there, but it just messed me up. And things were just not the same after that. You know how um, some people with certain injuries that they suffer can still recall the day when something happened to their knee or their back, and things were just not the same after that? Well, this day was kind of like that in terms of my gut. So not only did I get bloated like crazy then, but that bloat persisted to some degree for several days. And the messed up thing was that even when I ate other plant foods, which normally constituted my diet, those bloated me up like crazy too. And since then, my gut just stopped functioning the way it did before. You know, the issues with bloating were no longer these silent problems that I learned to manage and keep under my control. Now it was something that just kind of snuck up on me in the most unexpected moments. And what became really fucked up is that I could no longer eat my meals to the point of comfortable satiety because I actually would have gotten bloated before I would have actually been comfortably satisfied from my meals. So when I saw Burgess post on this, I was like, hmm, this sounds interesting. And I wanted to learn more about this. And since luckily I have a podcast, I decided to reach out to Berge and he kindly agreed to come on. And as we talked about all of this, I got really intrigued by the idea of trying to eliminate all plant foods for a while. And in fact, I'll play you a short clip from that episode just to show you that even then, this episode was in late December, I was already intrigued with the idea and I didn't just come up with this now. Of a combination of fat mass and, and water retention. So, so yeah, it was all good. 
Yeah, it's actually it's it's very interesting to listen to this. Like it bring brings to mind a couple of things. Like um like one thing is is when I first read about when I first read your ebook, I was right away pretty intrigued actually to to try this. I'm kind of on the on the the fence about about it to some degree because I'm actually I think one of those individuals who tolerates carbs pretty well. Like when I eat a high carb meal, I almost never get sleepy. I almost get this uh almost euphoric, energetic feeling. But at the same time, when it comes to the gut stuff, um, generally my rule of thumb is to eat the most amount of fiber I can without causing myself gastrointestinal distress. But right now that fiber amount is pretty low. Like this is pretty much uh, uh, the first time in a long while when um, I'm eating eating some high fruit and veggie type of meal and I'm just bloated after that. My, my weight fluctuates a lot because of these things. So maybe I'm at one of those points <laughs> in my journey. Like you mentioned, when I would benefit from eliminating plant foods for a while, it, it seems like. Yeah, and, and another point there is is that both for myself and... Um... So yeah, as you can see, I was intrigued by the concept right there. And as you could also hear, I was kind of reluctant or scared to start out with such a strategy because I valued my social life, social events, and eating out too much. And I was afraid that if I take on a more extreme dietary strategy like this, I will compromise my mental well-being. Plus, as you know, I had my fair share of restrictive dieting and the concomitant fucked up psychology in the past. And at the time, I was still carrying a lot of those mental scars, more so than I do now. And I was a bit worried that taking on such an extreme, inherently restrictive diet would not treat my psyche well. However, um, as time has gone on, it became more and more clear that if I don't change something with my nutrition, this uh, bloating thing will be here to stay. And admittedly, there were other strategies that I could have tried, which I haven't tried before. So, for example, focusing on lower fiber foods from carb sources, such as rice, or more easily digesting fruits, such as bananas. But the thing is, is that from my experience, these sorts of foods just work really, really poorly for me for appetite management. And since I heard about the satiety-inducing benefits of this zero-carb approach, I was like, well... Maybe this could be a um, legit way to fix this gut issue and not screw up my body composition in the meantime. Now, this is a good point to mention something as um, I'm sure that a lot of you will have thoughts like, why not just do an elimination diet or try these different gut biome screening tests or antibiotics and stuff? And the thing is, is that quite honestly, and this is my opinion and my experience after trying to find answers to these kinds of problems for years, is that with a lot of these specialized protocols, I think we are just trying to pretend to be much more clever and to know much more about the human gut than we actually do. You know, the more I look into what people say and write on the topic of optimizing gut health, the more I realize that we know absolutely shit about the gut. You know, it really seems like that the best we can tell people is to start eating a generally healthy whole foods diet eliminate the obvious culprits, such as huge amounts of processed crap. And then if you notice certain trends, such as getting discomfort or diarrhea or constipation after eating certain things, maybe emphasize and de-emphasize certain foods or food types accordingly. And then, you know, following this strategy, 
some people will end up eating very different diets. So some people will end up eating very high fiber diets and they will do great. Some people will have to go much lower in fiber. Some people will have to eliminate FODMAPs. Some people don't. But it basically just comes down to playing around with stuff. And, you know, I think when you're deep in the woods, like I was or I am, I should say, then I think you can choose either to move things around and micromanage stuff endlessly but I think there's sometimes just value in taking more of a shotgun approach like this. You know, eliminate everything that could be problematic and then slowly work back from there. So that's just a side tangent, although important. Now, a funny little trivia before I actually discuss my experience with this carnivore diet thing so far is that I had two attempts at doing this before. Uh, before I actually started this current stint, which I'm going to stick to now. One was back in February when I first made up my mind to give this a go for the same reasons, but then I lasted for about two days. You know, looking back, it was really not a good idea to start out with this back then. I mean, I had a really stressful period in many regards. I had really severe sleep issues. And in the middle of that, I started out with this carnivore diet thing. And on the second day, I was already pretty grumpy and moody because I barely slept, plus the zero carb thing. And then later that day, I went out with my girlfriend and just completely snapped at her and acted like a neurotic asshole over some small meaningless thing. Went home, slept even worse. And then the next day, I just said, you know what? This is just not the right time to do this. I'm already a mess. I don't need another stressor. So I went back to my regular diet and didn't look back for a while. And then in uh, mid-April, after again struggling on and off with this bloating thing, I decided once again that, fuck, I just need to do this. So I dove right in once again. I was in a much better spot to start out with this mentally. And, you know, the first few days went by relatively smoothly. I immediately noticed a huge reduction in bloating, like my stomach was just flat, which felt great. And then in the middle of this, we went on a little weekend trip out of town, and that happened to coincide with my birthday. And I actually got a little surprise birthday celebration from my girlfriend and a friend of hers, they made this cake and it was really not expected and super sweet of them. So I was like, okay, fuck, I'm not going to offend them by refusing to eat. And, you know, the cake was delicious, obviously. And that kind of threw me off my stride. Not in the sense that I started overeating and binging till late night in my tears, but I kind of just rationalized myself into going back to my regular diet again, saying that, well, you see, life will always throw things at you that you don't expect. It's better to be flexible. I knew that an extreme diet like this wouldn't work out with my current lifestyle. So, you know, for the next week, once again, I ate my regular diet. But then, you know, that was around the time when uh, the warm weather really hit. So I started going out in shorts and t-shirts. And that's when it hit me that, holy shit, I actually feel slightly embarrassed leaving the house because my gut just sticks out as I'm walking because of something that I ate like 16, 18 hours ago. And keep in mind that in my case, we are talking about a guy with low body fat, with abs and all that shit, like not the kind of body composition where you would have to worry about a huge gut. And there were other issues too, besides just vanity. I mean, it was just hard to measure progress with my cut because I was cutting at the time. I mean, I would step on the scale for two days in a row and I was like, cool, so about 82 kilos on two consecutive days. 
we're on track, but the next day it would be 87. So, you know, and not to mention all the visual masking of my results. So one day as I was preparing to go to bed, I stood in front of the mirror with this huge gut sticking out and I just said, okay, like this is ridiculous. I'm basically shooting myself in the foot every day and I'm not getting the results that I'm after. Something needs to change here once again. So the next day I started out with eating only animal foods. So now comes the part which is probably the most interesting for a lot of you guys and unfortunately this is also the simplest part of all of this and the one that I can speak of the least because a carnivorous diet is exactly what it sounds like. You eat animal foods and no plant foods which means that you can eat red meat, poultry, fish, eggs and dairy is okay granted that it's the lower carb variants such as hard cheeses like I'm not sure that um, drinking milk would for example qualify. Um, you know, I read Berge's book where he made all kinds of recommendations on what to eat and how much to eat. And there he made the recommendation of eating mainly red meat and adding in some poultry for variety. He also recommended eating fish and to titrate in eggs and dairy as tolerated. You know, I, because I wanted to play it quote unquote super safe, I just started off with quite a big variety in terms of my animal food intake and um, try to not go totally crazy with red meat. So I ate a lot of eggs. I probably ate a lot more poultry, well, mainly chicken, uh, than what was optimal. I ate a lot of seafood. I ate cheese, kind of as a convenience food. So if I didn't have anything else available, for example, in the office, uh, and I needed something quick, then that was a convenient option for me. Now, the other thing I'd like to mention here is that I didn't exclude things like coffee or tea even though some hardcore approaches would say that you should literally eliminate everything plant-derived. But to me, logically speaking, I didn't set out a war against plant-derived substances. I simply wanted to eliminate fiber, really. So I kept drinking coffee and tea as I normally would, black coffee, of course. And I was fairly flexible in that way. But otherwise, I just simply woke up one day uh, in fact, I can tell you which day. It was April 25, Wednesday, and I uh, simply started to eat an all-animal food diet. So let's talk about what happened so far. First of all, let's address the bloating issue since that was the whole reason for me wanting to do this in the first place. You know, the diet worked instantly there, so my stomach distension went away literally within one or two days, which, you know, I don't want to overstate the magic behind this. I mean, you're eating foods with lower amounts of residue, so there is just much less food in your gut at any one time. So obviously, your stomach volume will be lower as well. However, you know, when you had bloating periods like I had on the picture, so if you're listening to this on YouTube, you'll get the chance to see a picture here. So the night before I started this, when I had this, okay, this has to stop moment, I took a photo of myself, which I posted in the SSD Facebook group, but if you're not on YouTube listening to this, you can see a picture of a guy who basically looks like a pregnant woman. And next to that is a guy with an almost completely flat stomach. And the second picture with the flat stomach was taken three or four days later. So, you know, for someone like me who regularly experienced periods like that, then simply having your stomach looking more or less the same at all times is a pretty huge deal. So on the bloating front, a huge relief. You know, honestly, I felt like one of those housewives in those infomercials for uh, weight loss pills or special ed machines or whatever, when they look in the camera and say things like, 
I lost two inches of my waist. I finally love the way I look again. Uh, you know, honestly, it was a bit like that. You know, going outside, finally looking as lean as I actually was and not having to feel this gross bloated thing was incredible. Other things I have noticed so far, which is something that other people talk about too, is just my joints feeling much better. So, you know, I have pretty generally sensitive connective tissue. So, you know, as soon as I got to a somewhat trained state a few years ago, it was pretty evident that my elbows, shoulders, knees, there's just only so much beating that they can take from training. And, you know, probably many of you can attest to this, that there are just certain body parts that although they are not injured, you you just kind of feel that they're there during certain movements. So my left shoulder, for example, I do certain movements with it. And for example, when I tilt them forward, as if I wanted to show off my trap muscles, there's just this little click or little discomfort that I feel there. And, you know, I kind of learned to coexist with it. And now when I do the same movement, I would literally feel nothing, like no click, no inflamed feeling. It's like, holy shit, is this real? Also, and this is kind of weird to explain, but I noticed that even when I do overdo things in the gym, with my elbow, for example, and it does get inflamed, the inflamed, unpleasant feeling that I get literally dissipates within a day. So to give one concrete example, in January, I got tempted a little bit once again by the high volume training ferry, and I started doing a lot more upper body work, and my elbow just flared up like crazy. And I needed to take more than a week of super modified training and resting my elbow to let it heal, basically. And just now, this past week, I did a similar thing. So the nymph of the high volume training and the promise of faster gains got to me a little. So I started doing a lot more chest work, more delt work. I did some overhead tricep extensions, which I knew fully well would fuck up my elbows. And they did, of course. So I was like, God damn it. Now I can dick around for another week until things go back to normal. And literally within one or two days, everything was fine. You know, not sure what this is due to. I know that there's some research showing that athletes with higher fat intakes incur less injuries than those with lower fat intakes. But honestly, I don't know how much we can extrapolate from these studies. But it could be that eating, for example, a ton of omega-3 fatty acids from fish could help you a ton. Also, a lot of people reported that when they did blood work, then their inflammatory markers dropped a lot. And honestly, I still don't understand why this is. You know, if you tune into something like a Joe Rogan podcast, then you'll hear phrases like carbohydrates cause inflammation flying around like blue arse flies. But how and why they are inflammatory and more importantly, if they are really inflammatory, I think is something that is yet to be explored in depth, at least by me, because I sure as hell don't know why it would be the case that things like strawberries, cherries, blueberries that are full of beneficial compounds that often should fight inflammation by themselves and that are the types of carbs that I like to eat on my regular diet would cause inflammation. I mean, if I was to eat foods from McDonald's, then it would make much more sense. But nevertheless, bloating basically gone, joint issues greatly, greatly improved. One more point on the bloating before I forget, and this was actually useful to experience that it does seem like I have a mild intolerance to eggs, which is a bummer, but I had this suspicion before, and it also seems like I only have that intolerance to eggs here in Macedonia. So I did notice that when I ate eggs in large amounts, it would cause some issue, not a lot, but some gut issues. But when I ate them in Hungary, it would be completely fine. 
But, you know, when you struggle with all kinds of gut issues anyway, it was hard to really tell. But now I know it for sure, because if I ate only meat, my stomach would literally look all day as if I just did a 24-hour fast, like flat, no distension whatsoever. But when I ate eggs, I would get some bloating, not nearly as much as from all the plant foods, but some noticeable bloating. The other benefit I noticed so far is related to satiety. So if you listen to my episode with Berge and the things he said about his hunger, basically I noticed the same exact thing, that this hangry feeling that I would get if I went too long between meals on a carb-based diet is not there at all. So even if I didn't eat enough calories in my first meal and let's say there's a eight-hour gap until I get to my next meal, I would just notice a dip in energy levels where I would just feel kind of weak and I almost had to think like, what the hell? Why am I so weak? And then I'd realize that, oh, right, I kind of haven't eaten in quite some time. You're also just generally more flexible in that regard. So, you know, things like fasting or just having a lower meal frequency, I can tolerate these things a lot better and easier. You know, normally four meals is my sweet spot and now two or three meals is definitely what I prefer. In fact, eating four meals would just feel weird on this diet. Another benefit I noticed, which is kind of funny to talk about, is a much better preservation of libido <laughs> in a calorie deficit. So, you know, in the final stages of a cut where often my fat intake would take quite a large hit, I would not have too much to show for in terms of libido. And now, you know, at the final stages of my cut, I had some days where I did make sure to keep my calories pretty low. And on those days, I was like, well... There's going to be some awkward moments here because low calories don't treat sex drive too well. And um, honestly, I was surprised that it was as if I didn't even diet, which if I had to speculate, it was because I was consuming enough fat, enough saturated fat and things that help, you know, healthy anabolic hormone production, testosterone levels and the like. But I don't want to play the endocrinologist here. Um, so, okay, final benefit, which I think is worth mentioning, is the psychological benefits. So, as you might guess, obviously, eating mostly one type of food all the time changes your relationship with eating, and food inevitably loses from its entertainment value. And this is something that I'll probably talk about in the next episode that I'll record on this, since it's a really cool topic in and of itself, but things that I noticed so far is just a lower general preoccupation with food, even in a hypocaloric diet, and a much lesser tendency to structure other activities around mealtimes, which I guess is pretty standard practice when you're dieting. Also a great, maybe not a complete, but a very considerable elimination of my reliance on high volume foods, which is really easy to get into. And I think just getting used to eating a moderate volume of food and then moving on, I think is a very useful life skill, if you will, to master. But then again, I'll talk about these things in more detail in the next episode like this. So these were the positive things so far. Reduced bloating, joints feeling much better, stable hunger levels and no sudden hunger pangs, better libido in the face of a calorie deficit, and really positive impacts on food-related psychology. Now with that, let's talk about some of the negatives so far. And when I'll talk about this, keep in mind that I'm just over two weeks in as I'm recording this. So in another one or two weeks time, my take on some of the things I'll say here might be entirely different. But nevertheless, let's address the 
elephant in the room first, which is the adaptation period, which everybody's afraid of. I know I was. You know, you'll hear all kinds of horrible side effects such as lethargy and just incredible tiredness, horrible mood swings and things like that uh, that people experience when they first go on this diet. I guess it's similar to what they report when they go on a ketogenic diet. And, you know, to be completely honest, I did and didn't experience these things. So one thing, for example, that I expected to absolutely tank was my gym performance. And that was actually largely unaffected. I didn't really lose much strength at all or any strength at all. And on the few lifts where I did experience some drop, those almost always coincided with just shitty recovery on the whole. So recently, again, I had some sleep issues. So I did have some workouts where... I was probably just under-recovered. So, you know, I think it's just unfair to blame my performance drop on not eating enough carbs in such a scenario. So gym performance was largely unaffected. Where I did notice some detriments, however, was more so just general activities during the day. So I had some of these moments when I would walk home, for example, and I felt like I was just walking and walking and walking and like, oh my God, will I ever get home? I also had some days when I would go out on a beautiful sunny Saturday with someone for some coffee and we would just walk around and in the middle of that I would be like, oh my god, I gotta sit down, I just, I just can't walk this much, which normally never happens. Now again, all of these things were confounded by other aspects of shitty recovery on the whole, but... You know, I know my body pretty well and I know how it reacts to shitty sleep and shitty recovery. So I know that in general, if I had a shitty night of sleep, then the next day I will be a bit tired and a bit moody, but then I'll have a cup of coffee or two and I'll be good to go for most of the day. And maybe in the early evening, I'll crash a little. And now I was completely useless all day. And interestingly, the first day where I really felt just utterly lethargic and useless was actually about eight or nine days into this whole thing. So then again, I went out with a friend, grabbed some coffee, and honestly, I was just a complete zombie. I literally had a hard time uttering three words. I just wanted to lie down and do nothing. And then later in the day, I was essentially just sitting on the couch all day playing video games, which I, I mean, this didn't happen in like four years at this point. So yeah, the adaptation period probably did hit me hard at some point, but honestly, there was maybe one or two days at most when this happened. Afterwards, it was much, much better again. And since I mentioned recovery and sleep, the other thing I noticed is that my sleep quality seems to have suffered so far, to be quite honest. And while I don't really know what to make of this just yet, but this is something that does concern me because Getting good and adequate sleep is one of the toughest things for me in general, so I really don't need any additional hindrance on that front. But normally, when I go through a few shitty nights of sleep, usually if I normalize my circadian rhythm, so I stop drinking coffee after maybe 1 or 2 p.m., I have my meals at regular times, I'm active during the day, and then I go to bed early the next day, then I'm usually having solid sleep. And now it seemed like on a couple of occasions that no matter what I did, I just woke up at like 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning after going to bed at 11 p.m. or midnight. And it was really hard to fall back asleep. So not sure what to make of this, but something to note nevertheless. And if this doesn't change rather quickly, then it will surely affect how long I will keep doing this after this upcoming two weeks. 
Another negative so far, which again is confounded by other variables, is that I had to temporarily revert back to tracking calories since I simply didn't find this diet satiating enough so that I could just keep dropping fat and eat according to hunger at this body fat percentage. So I basically introduced this diet when I was just over 10% body fat and was on my way down to maybe 9, 9.5% body fat, which was probably not the best idea looking back. So probably a better strategy would have been to introduce a maintenance carnivore diet first so that I don't need to fight with a calorie deficit and the adaptation period all at the same time. But I guess I was a little bit greedy. Plus I had some, you know, like some semi-rationalizing thoughts that, well, I'll be eating quite a bit of saturated fat, quite a bit of red meat. So maybe it's safer to be in a calorie deficit because that induces a series of healthful effects in the body that can counteract any potential detriment from eating a lot of these substances, which have a little bit of a dubious reputation in the scientific field. But, you know, looking back, it was probably not the smartest move. But nevertheless, you know, initially I started eating based on appetite. And when I backtracked my food here and there, I just found that I just ate more than what would have been needed for me to cut at that point. And, you know, on my normal carb-based diet, at this point, I could, I could still have used an ad libitum approach and keep cutting. So I did revert back to counting calories for a while. And, you know, I found it to be relatively challenging to stay within maybe 22, 2400 calories on some days. And I know that on a carb-based diet with plenty of plant foods, I can construct a pretty darn satiating diet that is even lower than 2200 calories. So there's that. But again, maybe had I tried to cut after maybe a month of being adapted to zero carbs, I would have been much better off. Uh, and oh, of course, the <laughs> other elephant in the room. Uh, regularity and toilet visits. So, so you know, what you should know about this is that if you're absent from the toilet for a while or if you're getting some loose stools in the beginning, both of those things are pretty normal. So this is simply because of the fact that the muscles in your bowel that are responsible for producing a bowel movement, basically, are simply used to an enormously bigger volume of food than what you'll be eating on a zero-carb diet. So, you know, even if you're not a big eater on a carb-based diet, you'll probably eat about two kilos of food. If you're a big eater like me, you'll eat three, four, maybe five kilos of food. And on a zero-carb diet, even if you're a pretty big eater, even then you'll probably not eat as much as two kilos of food on most days. And not to mention all the residues and indigestible materials that come with plant foods. You know, Conversely, if you're eating a piece of steak, pretty much every single thing from that steak can be incorporated in some useful ways from by the body. So there will have to be an adjustment period where your body learns basically to produce stools from the lower mass and volume of food. As for myself, you know, I think that to some degree, this adjustment period is still happening, but things are pretty normal, I'd say. But, you know, there are still days when nothing's happening, <laughs> but it's not constipation. You know, it's just, I don't get the urge at all and I just don't go to the toilet. But when I do go the next day, things are easy and normal. So there's that. So I guess that is uh, it up until now, as far as what I've been doing. And as of where I'm at now, I'm actually done with my cut, my 
calories are being tapered back up. And now I'm starting to experience a lot more of the benefits that everybody's talking about. So for example, as I'm recording this, it's been six hours since I've last eaten, which is not an awful long time. But on a carb-based diet, I generally don't like to go longer than about five hours without food. Now it's like I'm not the least bit hungry. It's not like, yeah, I can keep going, but I could eat too. No, it's like not the least bit. My strength in the gym is basically completely back up, so no performance that remains whatsoever anymore. And I also say that I'm surprised by how little I got depleted and how little fullness I lost. So I did lose some fullness. So when I hit uh, most muscular in the mirror, I see that there's less pump in my arms, delts, and pecs. But compared to what I thought the difference would be, it's no, nowhere near as crazy. So right now, that's where I'm at. And I will ride this thing out for at least two more weeks. And at that point where I'll be coming up on, for, on one month, I may attempt reintroducing some of the carb foods that I like, mainly fruits. But to be honest, given where I'm at location-wise in Macedonia, which is a hugely meat-loving and meat-eating nation, it's actually probably the easiest special diet to follow around here. So depending on how I will feel after the next two weeks, I may actually extend it with another few weeks. And then, you know, in June or July, at that point, I can still enjoy some summer fruit eating period for a few months. Um, another thing I plan to do is to be more flexible and basically just experiment with what I can get away with. And maybe I'll go out and have some wine and things like that. You know, I know that at that point, it's anything but a zero carb diet. But to be honest, because I really do suspect that the main issue was the fiber and perhaps the bacteria that feed on that fiber, that should not be an issue. But we will see. We will see. So, guys, for now, I think this would pretty much be it. Um, please drop your comments in the comment section below. If you have questions, if you have concerns, definitely let me know about all of those. And in general, just see you in the next freaking episode. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a comment and subscribe if you watch this on YouTube. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating to help this stuff grow. SoundCloud and Podbeam, you can just follow me to be notified on future episodes. And to be a contributing member of this podcast, join the Sustainable Self-Development Facebook group where you can drop ideas about future podcasts. I very often ask my listeners for tips and advice on who to get on next. So if you're interested in getting into discussions like that, be sure to join the Facebook group. And if you don't want to go through the searching process, just click one of those links in the show notes slash video description. It is all there. All right. Thanks for hanging around up until now and see you next time.